Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, which is more precious than fine gold. And we pray, Father, that as we explore your word and get to know you through your word, that we shall be transformed in our lives. Another opportunity is before us to do that right now, and we ask, Lord, open thou our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Teach us your testimonies and make us to understand your judgments. Grant to us of your spirit and help us, Lord, that by faith we may walk with you as Enoch walked with you and that we may be assimilated into the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be with me, dear Lord, and put your words in my mouth that all of us who listen may be blessed. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. January 2. Where wisdom begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. There is a wide difference between what God has given men capacity to become and the degree of excellence to which they actually attain. The Word of God presents the most potent means of education, as well as the most valuable source of knowledge within the reach of man. The understanding adapts itself to the dimensions of the subjects with which it is required to deal. If occupied with trivial, commonplace matters only, never summoned to earnest effort to comprehend great and eternal truths, it becomes dwarfed and enfeebled. Hence the value of the scriptures as a means of intellectual culture. They lead directly to the contemplation of the most exalted, the most ennobling, and the most stupendous truths that are presented to the mind of man. They direct our thoughts to the infinite author of all things. We see revealed the character of the eternal and listen to his voice as he communes with patriarchs and prophets. We see explained the mysteries of his providence, the great problems which have engaged the attention of every thoughtful mind, but which, without the aid of revelation, human intellect seeks in vain to solve. They open to our understanding a simple yet sublime system of theology, presenting truths which a child may grasp but which are yet so far-reaching as to baffle the powers of the strongest mind. The more closely God's word is searched and the better understood, the more vividly will the student realize that there is beyond infinite wisdom, knowledge and power. If the youth will but learn of the heavenly teacher as did Daniel, they will know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who consecrate themselves to God and who have the protection of His grace and the quickening influence of His Spirit will manifest keener intellectual power than the mere worldling. They will be able to reach the highest, noblest exercise of every faculty. Amen.
The title of our devotion for today is Where Wisdom Begins. By the way, our first devotion, Unlocking God's Storehouse, makes us to understand that the storehouse is the Bible and the treasures in that storehouse are the precepts, the commandments, the statutes of the Word of God, which when we take those treasures, we become assimilated to the character of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We become we come to have his mind and his character. And that is the greatest blessing that you can receive. And these things, these treasures are called wisdom. The statutes, the commandments, they are all wisdom. And today we are looking at the topic where wisdom begins. The word of God presents the most potent, that's what we read in our devotion. The word of God presents the most potent means of education as well as the most valuable source of knowledge within the reach of man. The understanding adapts itself to the dimensions of the subject with which it is required to deal. And we are told that it leads directly to the comp- contemplation of the most exalted and the most ennobling and most stupendous truths that are presented to the mind of man. Now, the next statement is our focus. It says, they direct our thoughts to the infinite author of all things. We see revealed the character of the eternal and listen to his voice as he communes with patriarchs and prophets. End of quote. That was that I may know him. Page 8, paragraph 3. So, from what we just read, the word of God leads us to the infinite author of all things. And in the word of God, we see revealed the character of the eternal. You know, Paul said, he's the one we got that title from that I may know him in the book of Philippians 3 from verse 7 to 11. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He said he counts all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And where can Paul or you and I know God from? How can we know him? The word of God. We just read now that it directs our thoughts to him. And we see revealed the character of God and of Jesus Christ. That is why where wisdom begins is in the study of God's word. Why does evil seem to thrive and good lies in the dust? Those are some questions that we get answered in the word of God because when we read that I may know him, page 8, paragraph 3, we said when we study God's word, apart from seeing the character of the infinite author of all things, another thing we, we get from studying God's word is that we see explained the mysteries of his providence, the great problems which have engaged the attention of every thoughtful mind, but which without the aid of revelation, human intellect seeks in vain to solve. There are problems today mysteries that the world cannot solve great problems that is engaging the attention of the greatest minds of the world but without the word of god they cannot solve these problems without the aid of revelation some questions like why does evil seem to thrive and good lies in the dust what is the origin of man this is a very debated question today man is trying to find where he came from it's a mystery to him he's trying to solve it but in the word of God, answers are given to this question. Another question is, what is the meaning of all the wars all around us? What will be the end of these wars? Where is it leading to? It's a mystery to the mind of man. It's a great problem. Then again, another question, where is the world headed with all the threats of nuclear wars and pestilences that come very frequently? As we study today in God's word, we will indeed direct our thoughts to the infinite author of all things, commune with patriarchs and prophets, and increase in wisdom. You see, one one prophet we know who explained the mysteries of this world and solved great problems was the man Daniel. We read in the devotion that I may know him, page 8, paragraph 5, If the youth will but learn of the heavenly teacher as did Daniel, they will know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who consecrate themselves to God and who have the protection of his grace and the quickening influence of his spirit will manifest keener 
intellectual power than the mere worldling. They will be able to reach the highest, noblest exercise of every faculty. End of quote. This was the experience of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Because they made the word of God their wisdom, they excelled more than other worldlings that were around them. They had an excellent spirit. Revelations were given to them. Mysteries were solved by them. They received the protection of his grace. They were manifesting a keener intellectual power than those who were around them. Why? They hid under the word of God. In the book of Daniel 1 verse 3 and 4, it says there that the king spoke to Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but were well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. But when we go down to verse 18, we see the end of this schooling because the people who were brought, the children of Israel who were brought with Daniel and his brothers. It says here, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in. Then the prince of Enoch brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar and the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. In verse 19 it says, And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's what we read. Why was it so? Daniel was a man described as one who had the spirit of the gods dwelling in him. Nebuchadnezzar and the queen recognized him as one who stood above all other wise men in Babylon. This was when Nebuchadnezzar is dead by this time Belshazzar, his uh, son, his grandson was the one who was ruling and had brought the vessels of the house of the Lord, sacred vessels and was using them for partying and a hand had written on the wall mene mene tekelufasin but he couldn't read what was there and they were looking for someone that could read it. Nobody among the wise men could and Daniel was able to read it. That's reading from Daniel chapter 5. Daniel was called. The queen was the one who called him. Daniel 5 reading verse 11 and 12 it says, There is a man in your kingdom who has within him a spirit of the holy God. She was speaking to Belshazzar. In the days of your father he proved to have insight, discernment and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar your father appointed him the chief of the magicians, astrologers, wise men and diviners. Thus there was found in this man Daniel whom the king renamed Belteshazzar an extraordinary spirit and skill to interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve difficult problems. Now summon Daniel and he will disclose the interpretation. Now look at the description that the queen gave of Daniel. Able to interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve difficult problems. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that he needed to be explained to him. In verse 7, it says he called the astrologers wise men and diviners and he recounted the dream for them and they were not able. But look at verse 8. It says later Daniel entered whose name is Belteshazzar after the name of my God and in whom there is the spirit of the holy gods. I recounted the dream for him as well. Now we're not going into that study of how Daniel explained the dream. But look at how they view Daniel, one who had the spirit of the holy gods. How did Daniel become this man who is described as having an extraordinary spirit or like having the spirit of the gods, able to interpret dreams, riddles, solve difficult problems, who had insight and discernment? How was he like that? 
At first, he was a young man. What made him stand out? Was it a mere intellectual ability that he had from his birth? An ability to study books and understand science? Was it something inborn? No, it wasn't. It was because Daniel knew where wisdom began and connected himself with the source of wisdom, which is the fear of God. Daniel received revelations to solve great problems. As we read in the book Conflict and Courage, page 247, paragraph 2, he says, In acquiring the wisdom of the Babylonians, Daniel and his companions were far more successful than their fellow students, but their learning did not come by chance. They placed themselves in connection with the source of all wisdom, making the knowledge of God the foundation of their education. I pause there. What did they make the foundation of their education? The knowledge of God. And what did we read in our devotion? It says, The word of God presents the most potent means of education as well as the most valuable source of knowledge within the reach of man. Now back to Conflict and Courage, page 247, paragraph 2, we are told that Daniel did not learn by chance. He placed himself in connection with the source of all wisdom, making the knowledge of God the foundation of his education. In faith, they prayed for wisdom. Do you remember? Faith is the key to unlock the storehouse. We are learning how to know God. Lesson one, you must have faith. Without praying to God and asking him to open your eyes so that you can behold wondrous things out of his law, the Lord cannot teach you. Daniel and his brothers prayed in faith for wisdom and they lived their prayers. Continuing the reading, they placed themselves where God could bless them. They avoided that which would weaken their powers and improved every opportunity to become intelligent in all lines of learning. They followed the rules of life that could not fail to give them strength of intellect. They sought to acquire knowledge for one purpose, that they might honor God. Constantly praying, conscientiously studying, keeping in touch with the unseen, they walked with God as did Enoch. End of quote. So you see here that Daniel and his brothers knew where wisdom began and humbled themselves to that source of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That is where wisdom begins. Like Daniel and his brothers, if we will acquaint ourselves with God, with God, we will find that things that are mysteries to the world will be laid bare and open before us. A dream that Daniel did not have himself, he was able to get the dream and the interpretation and give to the king Nebuchadnezzar. Is it because he's any smart person? No, it is by prayer. Mysteries were exposed to him. There are mysteries in this world and the people of the world trying to solve these problems without God, they will never get it solved. Daniel and his brothers connected with God were able to solve these mysteries. These mysteries will be as plain to us as the clear sky. The prophecies of the word of God will give us the ability of God to see and know the end from the beginning. And this is not because we have some form of extra sensitive perception or any divine skill in and of ourselves. No, it is only because we humble ourselves to be taught of God. He will then open to us the mysteries of the world. We read in our devotion that I may know in page 8, paragraph 2. There is a wide difference between what God has given men capacity to become and the degree of excellence to which they actually attain. End of quote. That tells us something. There are many today who think that wisdom is found outside God and that being spiritual will only make them of no earthly good. They think that the study of the word of God and following its precepts will make them unintelligent but we can look, look no further than the life of even the smallest of God's children to realize that this is not the case. In paragraph 3 of our devotion we are told 
that the word of God opens to our understanding a simple yet sublime, sublime system of theology, presenting truths which a child may grasp, but which are yet so far reaching as to baffle the powers of the strongest mind. End of quote. I'm just reminded of something. The man is a popular man, Jordan Peterson, a psychologist. When he was talking once, I, re- I remember hearing him say something like this to this effect that he doesn't know what happens after death. He, he cannot see beyond it. He's not clear on it. And that expresses the mystery to so many others. Great minds, he's considered a great mind. And other great minds like him are baffled by the mystery of death, what happens before that. And they're even baffled by the mystery of life. How about angels? Some people don't understand that. The miracles that take place around us, supernatural things happening around us like the natural disasters, the sights of aliens and flying saucers, the puzzling archaeological findings that baffle the imagination of men today, putting them at their wit's end trying to find the explanation of things such as why we have huge pyramids in Sudan, Egypt, China and other parts of Asia and South America which today's technology is incapable of building. People are wondering who built these things, how did they come to be? It's a mystery. They call them the wonders of the world. They are, why do they call them wonders? They are marvelous to behold, but another thing is, it's to them inexplainable how these things came to be. Many other mysteries, the Word of God contains the truth about them, revelations, and a system of theology that provides satisfying and accurate answers to these things. So, what is wisdom and where is its source? Like we already planned to do, we will commune with the author of all things. Our devotion said in the word of God, we commune with the author of all things, with patriarchs and prophets. So, we have already seen one prophet, Daniel. We've communed with him and we've seen where the source of wisdom is. It is by attaching yourself to God and he will give you wisdom. But then, now let us commune with the author of all things to find an answer to where wisdom begins. The author of all things, as we will see in devotions to come, is the man, the eternal father, Jesus Christ. Matthew 7 verse 24 to 27, Jesus spoke saying, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Amen. Where does wisdom begin according to what we just read from the words of the eternal one Jesus Christ? It begins from first of all hearing the words of Jesus. How do you judge wisdom? Jesus said that it is when we hear his words and do it. But the world says that wisdom is about academics and witty sayings. But I will go to another punchline from our Lord Jesus to refute the world's understanding of wisdom. Jesus said and asked in Matthew 16 verse 25 and 26, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Deep questions. In other words, it's unwise to make decisions that only preserve this life that will eventually come to an end while making no arrangements to secure eternal life. The wise man that Jesus was referring to is that man who even if he cannot read or write, 
you call him an illiterate. Yet, he secures eternal life by hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. For to hear God's word and do it, that is wisdom. That's what Jesus says. Whosoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them, he is a wise man. Have you been hearing God's word? This, this tells us that those who have never heard God's word, not necessarily by reading the Bible, you may hear it from somewhere else. You may never have seen the Bible. But when you hear God's word, wisdom has not begun, but at least it's about to begin. It is only when you do it, then wisdom has begun for you. That is wisdom according to Jesus. But even the wisdom of things of nature is still gotten from God. We have talked about just now how wisdom is to secure eternal life. Because it's not wise, like Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 25 and 26, to gain the whole world and lose your soul. You gain so much of the world, but then the soul you need to enjoy that thing you gain does not exist. That is foolishness. So the wise man makes a choice that preserves his life. And to preserve your life is to hear the words of God and do them. That is wisdom. Like I said, the person may be illiterate as far as the world is concerned. But then, does it mean that the word of God will leave you illiterate? No. Even the wisdom of the things of nature is still gotten from God. I mean the sciences now. The sciences and the arts. To get wise in those things, it is still in the word of God. An example can be seen in the life of Solomon. Of him, it is written in the book of 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29 to 34. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment. The breadth of his understanding was as infinite as the sand on the seashore. Solomon was wiser than all men of the east and all the sages of Egypt. He was wiser than any man, including Ethan, the Ezrathite, and Heman, Kalkol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. He was famous in all the neighboring nations. He composed 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. He produced manuals on botany, describing every kind of plant from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows on the walls. He also produced manuals on biology, describing animals, birds, insects, and fish. People from all nations came to hear Solomon's display of wisdom. They came from all the kings of the earth who heard about his wisdom. Amen. Where did Solomon get that wisdom from? 1 Kings 4 verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment. If a man were wise, he like Solomon will at times labor for eternal life. Because this wisdom Solomon had here, I just read, is earthly wisdom. It's just mere earthly wisdom. Solomon had the world's academic wisdom, but even he... What made him wise is not these things. In the eyes of the world, they would say, oh, he's a wise man because he composed so many proverbs, songs. He was able to tell things about nature, wrote books on biology, botany, and uh, describing fish and birds and insects and all of that. The world, that's what they see as wisdom. And I'm telling you that even the knowledge of these things, God can give them to you. But then, if you are truly wise, your wisdom will not stop at this because for to know these things that I have just mentioned, the things of nature and sciences, it does not show you are wise. The real wisdom of Solomon was not in these sciences and arts and the writing of Proverbs. The real wisdom of Solomon was in his choice to make God his foundation and his defense. Solomon had the world's academic wisdom, but even he realized that all of that was not sufficient. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 12 to 18, Solomon saying, speaking said, I the preacher was king over Israel and Jerusalem. 
and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sort of avail had God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I communed with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is a vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Wow. Do you know the wisdom he was referring to here? It's that one we just read of. The manuals he wrote in botany and biology, describing animals, birds, insects. That's the wisdom he realized that when you are increasing it, it's his sorrow is increasing. In chapter 2, reading from verse 4 down to verse 11, he explained why he said all these things he was researching. It was just increasing his trouble. Why? Because it was not connected with God at the time. Now he said, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever my eyes desired. I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was the portion of all my labor. Now verse 11 he concludes and says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirits, and there was no profit under the sun. Do you know that this statement is the beginning of wisdom for Solomon? That he realized that these things were broken cisterns that could hold no water. Solomon realized, but many people of the world today cannot even have the wisdom to realize that to get all these pleasures is not going to help you. It's not going to make you happy. The simple happiness that we are looking for, because that's what many people are looking for in the world, happiness. These things don't give you happiness. They say it, money don't buy you love, money don't buy you joy. But even though people say it with their mouth, they are still chasing after money. But Solomon was wise. When he got all these things, he realized he's still empty within him. There was no joy he could get from them. And that was where wisdom began for him. In verse 15, Ecclesiastes 2, he said, Then said I in my heart, As it happens to the fool, so it happens to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, This is also vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. Seeing that which is now is, in the days to come, shall all be forgotten. And how died the wise man? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous to me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be wise, whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet he shall have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a wise man whose labor is in wisdom, and in knowledge, and in equity. Yet to a man that had not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This is also vanity and a great evil. Amen. 
I am saying that for Solomon to realize that these things were vanity, that was the beginning of wisdom for Solomon. In the end, Solomon was able to find true wisdom after he realized that the wisdom of the world which he secured, that secured him the comfort of life, houses, lands, women, health, and all that his heart could wish, cannot secure for him eternal life. He concluded by coming to an understanding of true wisdom and he wrote saying, Proverbs 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of holy is understanding. Proverbs 10 verse 27, he said, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. This was what he was complaining about, that he was going to die. That was his complaint. I am still going to die and leave all I have to, to, to someone who may be wise or foolish. I don't know. But eventually that death was what made Solomon know. What is the point in wisdom when it cannot save you from death? And the wisdom being referred to was the sciences of the world. Then he now realized that that is not wisdom. The real wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Because that one can prolong his life. Science art will not prolong your life proverbs 10 verse 27 the fear of the lord prolonged days but the years of the wicked be he ever so knowledgeable in science and arts his years will be shortened proverbs 15 verse 16 better is a little with the fear of the lord than great treasure and trouble therewith and verse 33 the fear of the lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility proverbs 19 verse 23 he said the fear of the lord tendeth to life and he that hath it shall abide satisfied he shall not be visited with evil and in chapter 23 verse 17 he says let not thine heart envy sinners but be thou in the fear of the lord all the day long this man had learned something this is what makes Solomon wise. It is not the knowledge of biology and botany and writing manuals on animals like insects and birds and other land animals that makes you wise. It is not the witty sayings, but it is the fear of the Lord. In all these, Solomon was virtually saying, my son, my daughter, if you are wise, you will like me realize that wisdom is not about the knowledge of sciences and arts. It is not about technological inventions and a so-called advanced civilization. Wisdom is not about artificial intelligence and nanotechnology. Neither is it about being able to quote the so-called wise men of the world and philosophers of this earth. The fear of the Lord. That is wisdom and the knowledge of the holy. That is understanding. Therefore, Solomon could, could conclude in his book saying, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12 to 14, And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. Who had written many books? Solomon. Do you know where those books are today? We don't know. He wrote manuals on botany, on biology, on animals. We can't even find them. The only reason Solomon has any relevance today is because of the fear of the Lord, the books he wrote that had to do with true wisdom. Do you see it? That is the only way he has extended till today. There have been many men in his day. We, we read of them. Ethan the Ezraite, Markol and the two other brothers. Who are they? I don't know them. Why? Because their, their, their wisdom was in the worldly things. And there are many men we talk about today who we feel were wise people. But where is their knowledge? Where is it? We don't even hear much of them. But Solomon, we still hear of him. And that's why he's saying of writing of many books, there is no end. And much study is the weariness of this, is a weariness of the flesh. Then he admonishes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, and with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Amen. Now what is the fear of God? 
it is to hate evil. Proverbs 8 verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the fraud mouth do I hate. This is where wisdom begins. Apparently, if we are curious to know where wisdom begins, the key text is very direct and simple. Our key text for today, Proverbs 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. It cannot be misunderstood. Wisdom begins when a man decides to fear God. This fear means a reverent awe that leads to a consciousness of his presence wherever we are. This consciousness leads us to understand that we are to render obedience to him as the almighty God. But how can a man learn to show this fear to God and reverence? There's that song that says, We have not feared thee as we ought, nor bowed beneath thy awful eye, nor guarded deed and word and thought, remembering that thou was nigh. Lord, give us faith to know thee near and grant the grace of holy fear. How many of us know God is near? Do you know God is right there with you where you are? Do you fear God in the sense of having reverence for him that you are beneath his awful eye at all times? Even when you think nobody is watching you, while you are doing what you are doing. Do you think you are in secret? You are never in secret. If you feared God, you will say, Thou God seest me. That any evil thing you want to say or do in secret, even in your thoughts, you will realize that the word that God is there, viewing everything. And if you really fear God, knowing that He is there, it will keep you from evil. But to understand the fear of God even more deeply than that, we need to study God's word. How can a man learn to show his fear for God? Deuteronomy chapter 4, reading from verse 5. When God appeared to the Israelites after he had brought them out of the land of bondage, which is Egypt, he appeared to them and told them, Come to me at Mount Sinai and I will show you how to fear me. Deuteronomy chapter 4. God told them, I will show you how to fear me. And, I will sh- and do you know what he taught them? the commandments of God. Reading from verse 10, it says, Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, which is still Sinai, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And you came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness and clouds and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you. Remember, God wants to teach them to fear him. So what did he tell them? He spake unto them the midst of the fire. Verse 13 says, He declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments. He wrote them upon two tables of stone. God said to Israel, I want to teach you how to fear me. Don't go learning to fear me the way you like. Don't show that you are fearing me and having reverence for me in your own wisdom. Because man will show the fear of God by building idols and bowing down to them. And God said, no, I will show you. I will teach you how to fear me. And what did he teach them? The Ten Commandments. Wisdom begins then when we submit ourselves to be led by the word of God. The commandments of God. That is wisdom. That's how we learn. Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we are now reading that the fear of God is to keep his commandments. That is what it is. Therefore, wisdom begins when you start to read the commandments of God and do it. But in all that we have learned, we see that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And also, we learn that the fear of God is taught by the commandments of God. And the fear of God is to hate evil. So where does wisdom begin? We have communed with prophets like Daniel. We have communed with kings like Solomon. We have communed with our Lord Jesus himself, the eternal one. And he says, the fear of the Lord is to hear his word and do it. Do you want to fear God? 
you want to show that you fear him then we need to open our ears to hear his word and do it for that is your wisdom and that is your understanding if you've not been hearing the word of god you have been far from wisdom wisdom begins when you start to not just hear but do the word of god that you have heard let us pray dear father in heaven thank you so much for giving us the basics of wisdom where wisdom begins in hearing and doing your word hearing your commandments which david said is above fine gold help us to see it that way and prize it and hold it up as a treasure teach us your ways O lord and make your words to be understandable to us and give us grace to perform it we may have been foolish in the past by hearing your word and not doing it forgive us father today we consecrate ourselves to you and say we want to hear your word and do it we want a new life one that is submitted to your word so that as we do it we become wise Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers. Give us the grace to do what we have learned. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for his imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org.